We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. It might be only match day six of the Premier League season, but my word are there some mouth-watering matches this weekend. The big one is at the bridge, Chelsea welcoming champions Manchester City in a huge tussle at the top. It's still early in the campaign, but will this be an indication as to just how much the Blues mean business this term, or will City remind everyone exactly why they've been the team to beat in recent seasons? Tuchel seems to have the edge on Pep, Will that continue this weekend? We'll look ahead to that game as well as the first North London derby of the season. Things haven't exactly gone to plan for Spurs or Arsenal this campaign. Will we see an explosive encounter at the Emirates or will the game be more mediocre than previous occasions? That affair in the capital is just one of nine games we'll preview on today's podcast with Manchester United against Villa, Leeds versus the Hammers and Brentford against Liverpool all to look forward to as well. This is Football Social Daily, the only Premier League podcast with a new episode every single day of the season. And welcome to The Dugout, a brand new show from us this term featuring those who have rubbed in the deep heat, dubbing their boots and knocked a size five about for a living. I'm Niall McCorn and alongside me in The Dugout today, former Birmingham City and Derby County defender Michael Johnson. How are you, Michael? I'm good. Thanks for having me today. How are you both? Fanny, how are you? Very good, Michael. Yeah, this uh, is very much a defensive lineup we've got on the show today, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that other voice you can hear, a man who made nearly 250 Premier League appearances for Southampton, Francis Benali. How are you, Franny? You okay as well? Yeah, really good, Niall. Thanks. And looking forward to joining both you and Michael today for the, uh, for the show. 
Yeah, great to have you on. Minus the moustache these days, Fanny. I think <laughs> yeah. you were sporting the facial hair back in the 80s, weren't you? Well, it was, it was, you know, it was somewhat acceptable maybe back in the 80s. Uh, yeah, something that I think as soon as I got rid of, my wife was very happy with because... <laughs> You know, it, it, it's not been back since, put it that way. So, uh, yeah, I think that's long gone now. <laughs> I think those days are gone. Yeah, I think you're right. I need to get this out in the open before we begin. I'm a Pompey fan, Franny. Oh, so, well, well, it's been nice uh, chatting with you guys. So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any opportunity to discredit anything positive about your old team, I will take that opportunity gleefully. <laughs> I'll um, be ready for it. I'm sure we can put our allegiances aside for the next 45 minutes or so to discuss the weekend's upcoming Premier League action. Thanks for joining us here on The Dugout from Football Social Daily. Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. As I say, this is the only show which releases a daily episode every day of the Premier League season. Just a small matter of Chelsea against Manchester City at Stamford Bridge to kick us off shortly. But before we do get to that, I wanted to ask you about Derby County, Michael, one of your former clubs. It's disappointing to see them slide into administration. I just wanted to get some of your thoughts on the circumstances surrounding Pride Park at the moment. Yeah, it's a worrying time for everybody connected with the club. Um, you know, you, you're looking at potential job losses, um, redundancies. Uh, it is it is really, really worrying. Um, it's a big club, a club that shouldn't be in the position that it, that it is. Um, and obviously with Wayne Rooney at the helm, you know, a young English manager trying to forage his way in, in English football. And it's a difficult time for him to be managing the club. Um, the expectations over the last few seasons were that, you know, the club did get promoted. And unfortunately, they seem to have just fell short. Um, and I think if there was ever a time it was going to happen over the last few seasons, you know, you look at the Frank Lampard era, Tamori, uh, Mason Mount, Harry Wilson. And it was a wonderful opportunity for us to, to try and get over the line, but it didn't happen. And subsequently, since then, it just seems like that curtailed with obviously the pandemic, lack of fans, lack of sponsorship, um, lack of income going into the um, business is brought Derby to where they are today, which is a really worrying point. I think the main thing what I'm hearing from the administrators is yes, that there will be a club at the end of the day, but the likelihood is that club will be... Um, down in League One. Um, so, you know, it's a really, really worrying time. And hopefully, you know, Wayne can somehow fathom some kind of performances to try and alleviate some of the pressures which are on the players. Yeah, it's really sad to see what's happening at Derby. And actually, you know, we joke about being of Pompey and Southampton persuasion, Franny, but both of our respective clubs have been in situations in which there was a grim future ahead for them. At some stages, there was question marks over whether Pompey or Southampton would even exist at one point in time due to financial troubles, much like Derby. It's sad to see any club go into administration, but it seems to happen a lot. Do you think that there maybe should be a little bit more done behind the scenes from those powers that be to perhaps protect clubs against these financial troubles? I think we see the the, the riches and the, the, the rewards that are at the, the top level at the Premier League and it's just a, a real shame. You're right. You know, Southampton certainly. It's you know they've had their their troubles with going into administration in the past, and um, anyone associated with 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 a club, you know, whether you're a player, or a staff member, a supporter, you're extremely concerned if if your club finds itself in that position as Derby County are now. And you know, we've, we've just heard from Michael there. You know, the sort of like the, the pressure it puts on people in in, in many different ways. Um, and it's sad to see, I think, you know, no one wants to see any clubs in this sort of position, but 
I, I guess largely it comes down to you know sort of how quite often they're they're sort of run and set up and things like that and um, that, that's not blaming anything at, at Derby or any other club that finds itself in this position but you know naturally no one uh, you know from a supporter's point of view especially when we're, we're talking about clubs that are sort of steeped in history and have been around for many decades that uh, you know the, the loss of any football club would be a, a you know, a, a huge travesty for, for, for anyone associated with it or anyone that follows it. So, yeah, it's, maybe there's measures that, you know, I'm sure there are some in place already that, that, that sort of support clubs and, you know, help them through these sort of periods. But when it, when it gets to this position where Derby County are at the moment, then it's, um, it's certainly worrying times for sure. Yeah, fingers crossed things can get resolved at Derby sooner rather than later. No real chance of Chelsea or Manchester City sliding into financial troubles, that's for sure. Those two do battle Saturday 12.30, the biggest game of the Premier League weekend. And for me, one of the biggest games of the season so far. Chelsea have the points advantage, three points above City and top of the Premier League table at the moment. Do you think they're favourites heading into this, Michael, or is it just too close to call because they're two top sides, aren't they? Yeah, I think Chelsea would go in favourites given the recent form, um, the recent uh, games that they're both you know locked head with Man City. Um, you know, Tuchel seems to have come in and is you know is is top to English football. You know, he seems like he's been here forever. Um, you know, the Champions Champions League is a prime example of that. You know what Pep has failed to do; he's done it in a matter of months, um, and I think that's the reason why. He, we probably would go in as favourites. He seems to have tactically something up on Pep. Um, so it'd be an interesting battle this weekend, but you could never write off either club at the minute because they're both fantastic clubs, both going to be at the top, um, at the top of the table come the end of the season. So it's going to be an interesting one. Do you think these two are your top two as well, Franny? Because we've spoken on the podcast before about how there's probably four title contenders this season, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, Manchester United. Do you think City and Chelsea just edge ahead of the other two? Well, they're certainly the two sides that you know either on recent form or um, historically you're going to say are going to be right in the mix for sure. And it's it's a fascinating one, isn't it, to throw this fixture up quite early on in the season. We've seen Tuchel has got that that little bit of an advantage over Pep, shall we say, with you know three victories over in recent times, you know, culminating in that that wonderful European trophy as well, the, the Champions League victory. So it's going to be interesting to see how Pep and Manchester City approach this one. Is he going to tinker with it a little bit, try and do something quite different that nobody's maybe expecting? Um, knowing how strong Chelsea are at the moment, you know, and they've just got that belief, that confidence that they had from from a successful run in at the end of the last campaign to hitting the ground running this season with players like Lukaku coming in as well. Uh, and just finding that formula that Chelsea have done that just seems to be working at the moment and so difficult to play against. So the fact that you know they're, they're, they're matched up early on, neither team will want to lose. Uh, so it, it's going to be one of those like, naturally they'll want to take maximum points, but who's going to be the braver of the teams to really go for it in this fixture? We've all touched upon Thomas Tuchel's record against Pep, especially as Chelsea manager. You know, three consecutive wins over Pep's side as Chelsea boss. Is that a factor as players, Jono? Is that something the players will be aware of or when you are in that mind space and you are a player rather than a coach or a manager? Is it something you think of a little bit less? Um, yeah, as a player, you don't think of that as much because you go out with the intention that you are going to obviously achieve victory or get a good result performance each and every time you pull on a shirt. 
that would definitely be a factor in the, in the mindsets of the coaching staff and, and the managers because that's, that's where the game strategy lies. That's where the real tactical battle starts to evolve. And there'll be something Pep will be trying to figure out as to why Tuchel keeps to have the advantage on him. And also on the flip side of that, Chelsea staff will be looking at how do we maintain, what can we do differently, how, what surprises that can we bring. And they've, they've got a certain man at the moment who's definitely going to be a surprise factor. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, Lukaku's come back and he's a complete different player um, than what we saw previously when he was here, not just in terms of goals, but what he's giving to the game. He's physically looking a lot better, a lot more in shape, a lot more mobile, and that's going to be a threat. So it really is a different um, animal, Chelsea, than what we've seen previously, which will be something of a, a concern for Pep and his staff. Michael, do, do you reckon there's the, one of the managers is going to do something really left field to try and get that tactical advantage that you talk about over the other team? Yeah, I think so. And I, I, you know, I the way I see Peppers in and the way I understand he works, you know, he's going to be sitting down in his room for the you know the, the majority this week trying to come up with that tactical game plan. There's no coincidence that he's failed to beat him. Um, on English, there's no coincidence in, in that. So there's something that Tuchel's got over Pep tactically. Um, you know, we can talk about the three-four-three formation that he uses and, and how it negates um, some of the some of the outcomes that Pep would like to expose. Um, but he has to do something different. I think he'd be very naive to go in there and do exactly the same what he's historically done. And historically got nothing out of the game. So I would definitely envisage a masterclass from Pep in some way, shape or form. So, And that's what makes it such an interesting game to watch. Yeah, he's got this reputation, though, in the big games, Pep, of sometimes overthinking it. So that would be really interesting to see what he does go with in terms of a team lineup. But Ruben Diaz has been excellent at the back for City since he arrived. But Lukaku has come back, as Michael says, a totally different player. In terms of... If you were lining up against Lukaku, Franny, would you be fearful? Would you be scared? What's the kind of mentality? Because I know defenders don't like to give off any signs of weakness or any advantage to strikers. But when you see someone as, you know, so formidable as Lukaku in the form he's shown since he's returned to the Premier League, you can't help but think, OK, I'm going to be in for a rough one here. Well, as, as a fullback myself, Niall, I would be saying to my centre-half partner like Michael, saying, best, best of luck to you today. You stay as far away as possible. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll help you if I can, but you're on your own today, mate. Um, no, he's, he's... I mean, you only have to look at him, you know, when he was at Manchester United, uh, you know, images or pictures of him when he was there, to his physique now in his time at Chelsea. You know, he's he's changed. He's He looks uh, that bit more athletic. He looks hungry. He looks confident. Uh, and he's delivering, you know, he's he's he's, he's scoring already. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, as a, as a defender, uh, as you're asking, it's it's difficult. You know, he's he's physically strong. He he gets into good positions. Uh, he's got he's playing in a team that retain the football and enable him to not have to run around too much and gives him that opportunity to take up good positions in the box and knowing when the balls are going to be coming in, just being in the right place at the right time. So. You know he's 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 slotted into a, a, a good Chelsea side, uh, and he's added to that as well with what he brings to the party. So, it, for any defender coming up against him or any defence, it's going to be a challenge at the moment. The way he's performing and the mindset he's in, uh, resorting back to my mindset, I think as a player, 
it would have just been like trying to match it fire for fire, just try and dominate them as a defender um, and as a team and, and try and just concentrate, I think, is a big thing as well as a defender, mm-hmm. you know, like not losing that concentration because players of his ability and at this level and teams like Chelsea, if you just lose that concentration for a split second, that's when you'll get punished and that could be the all-important goal. So, yeah, concentration being physically strong as well and, uh, you know, tr- just trying to dominate them as a, as a defence. You know, Diaz or whoever's going to be playing in there at the weekend um, will be a, an objective, I'm sure. Well, Franny touched upon this earlier on, Jono, about who's going to be brave and go for the three points. If Chelsea do win this game against City, they'll remain unbeaten this season in the league and they will have already faced Liverpool and Manchester City. In terms of a confidence boost and that psychological edge for Chelsea in what's going to be, I think, a really exciting title race, that's surely going to be massive for them if they do get the win. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look at Chelsea's record um, in recent in recent weeks, months, particularly against the big teams, he's dominated. You know, that again, tactically out, outdone many of the, the big clubs. And I think even though we're early on in the season, we all know that even now, you know, you can't afford to be losing too many games. It was different, you know, back when we were probably playing where, you know, you would probably look at, you know, you go away and you nick a, you nick a point and you think it's a good result. I think such is the quality of the top teams now. You know, there's certain two, three defeats, you know, you're out of title. So even in this early stage, it's such a big thing. Whoever wins this game and continues on that unbeaten run, which Chelsea look like at the minute, unstoppable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really excited for this game. Manchester City travel to Stamford Bridge to take on Chelsea. That's a Saturday half 12 kickoff. Fast forward now to Sunday and the 4.30 kickoff is at the Emirates. It's the first North London derby of the season as Arsenal host Tottenham Hotspur. It's a North London derby though, Franny, where both teams aren't exactly brimming with optimism, are they? The Gunners had a really poor start to the season. They were rock bottom of the table during the international break, whilst Tottenham were top. But a win over Spurs would really get the confidence up after what has been a difficult start for Mikel Arteta this season. Yeah, for sure. It's not just that that belief and confidence it'll give the, the management and the players themselves. This is a, a huge one for the supporters, as we know, isn't it? You know, that rivalry. They'll just want the bragging rights for sure. Um, yeah, the, the, the fortunes, as you touch on now, you know, they, they, they've almost reversed now, haven't they? You know, Arsenal getting off to a dreadful start. Tottenham sort of not doing so well in recent games. And it's, um, you know, just sort of reversing a little bit now. Uh so it's, it's going to be a, a, an interesting one, this. You know, again, a game that, that, that neither club will want to lose. Um, and a little bit same sort of mindset as we've touched on with the, the Chelsea City game. It's, it's one of those that you, you want to have those bragging rights, yes. But, you know, this is a, a, a big game and a big three points up for grabs for both teams for, for, I guess, different reasons. You know, neither side has started particularly well. Um, you know, given the, the the games we've seen already, and they've just got to try and find some sort of rhythm and consistency to their games that has been lacking for both teams so far. When it comes to derby games, Jono, obviously you'll know about these with the Birmingham City Aston Villa rivalry. You don't need to get up for these as a player, do you? If you're not up for these as a player, then what's the point? You know, surely these sets of players will be absolutely chomping at the bit to pick up three points for their respective fan bases. And as Franny says, for the fact that they've not had the greatest start to the season. Yeah, you're right. I think everybody's aware of the, 
emotional pull on a derby. Um, it is bragging rights, whether you, whether you're on the school playground, whether you're going into work, or even some households, even some married couples. That's how close it is. That the, and everybody wants to have one up, and and so that emotion then you know filters onto the players. Um, so you know all players will be aware. You know, and I know the old adage which says you know form does is out the window, but it actually really does. When a derby comes round, you know we've seen certain upsets that you probably wouldn't have predicted happen. And I remember watching Everton Liverpool um, last season, and for the first time Everton beat them, and and it, it can happen. Uh, and so we go into this game, and it's all on there. And the table and where both teams are in this particular moment in the season, in terms of form, makes it such even even more of a juicier game. So. You know, it's it's fantastic that we, we we can we can sit here and discuss, you know, a couple of and and well, not even a couple of the league. You know, it's such an exciting league at the moment. I was going to ask of any derby memories that you've got from those games, Michael. Anything that sticks out no. in particular? <laughs> yeah, I, I have many, and 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 I am going to say this that we never lost to, to the forest. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, for, <laughs> we, ne- we, we never lost to the forest team in the five years I was at Derby um, between uh, two thousand and three and eight. Um, and uh, it, I always remember the one with the Kenko Cup with Paul Pesci's Galido. Um, the ball was being rolled back to the goalkeeper, and Paul Pesci's Galido went to press the goalkeeper. And as he went to swing his foot, it was a really blustery day. So, you know, the old soup cups, what everybody used to, or hot chocolate plastic <laughs> cups. Yeah. One, of those, one of those had blown onto the pitch and literally landed upside down. So as the ball was rolling back to the goalkeeper, the ball's only hit the Kenko cup and then bounced up. So as the goalkeeper's gone to swing to clear the ball, he's just followed through, but not connected with the ball. <laughs> And there's poor Pesciscalido who's gone to pressurise the goalkeeper, cannot believe his eyes that he's in. And there's no goalkeeper because the goalkeeper's foot somewhere over there. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and he had the empty net to tap it into and we won that game 4-2. Uh, but it's great memories. I know, Franny, you probably played in many a dark local dark. We don't need to go into that, Jono, I don't think, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Franny, I'm, I'm just teeing you up for that <laughs> Go one. on then, Thank Franny, you, go on. I'll give you your moment of magic Actually, now. do you know what? There's, there's a connection all round here with what you've just been saying. Jono as well, but uh, I actually never played a competitive derby against Pompey in a Saints shirt. Uh, played in reserve games against them, uh, played in Alan Knight's testimonial, which was pretty feisty given it was a testimonial. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But my only time that I played in, you know, maybe I was left out of one or two cup cup games, um, maybe rightly so given my my disciplinary record. But, um, you know, the only competitive game I actually played against Pompey was whilst I was on loan at Forest. And uh, I had three months on loan up there and we, we played away to Pompey. So I, you know, I, I just as well have been running around in a Saints shirt, to be honest, with, <laughs> with the, the, the stick I was but, getting. But, but we won on the day. And, but Franny, uh, I made the most of it. Franny, but the, even the reserve games still come with a little bit of an edge. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, you, you may not have had the, the supporters in the stadium, you know, as it, as it was then, did you? But uh, yeah. yeah, whether it was a youth team game or a reserve game, you know what it was like. You, yeah. you wanted to win those games for sure. And, and there was a lot of, a lot of um, 
yeah, it, the sparks were flying even in those kind of matches. It didn't need to be a, a first team game, did it? <laughs> I, I can tell you now, I gave you a much nicer introduction on the podcast today than I would have done if you had turned up and I was in the crowd for Forest that day, that's for sure. Um, let's talk about uh, Arsenal against Spurs in terms of the competitiveness of the two sides. We can talk about like reserve games and even in the most intense derbies, they're so hotly contested. But it feels, Franny, that there's just something not quite there that was there even in only a couple of seasons gone by in terms of this feistiness and this rivalry between the two clubs. Because I think this game and all derbies really are at their best when both sides are, are as competitive as each other. But it doesn't feel like that's the case at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I guess both clubs to a degree are in, in an element of transition. We've seen Arteta at Arsenal now for some time and looking to implement you know, his style and philosophy and you're looking at some of the wonderful talent coming through, Smith Rowe and Saka and players that they have, Tierney, that, that are fabulous footballers. Um, but just trying again, coming back to that consistency and, and, and having, you know, getting the best out of the players, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of talent there. Uh, Lacazette, you know, hasn't figured an awful lot, but obviously figured during the, the Carabao Cup game during the week. And it's just, you know, getting that consistency, getting the, the, the levels that are expected of a club like an Arsenal or a Tottenham. And with uh, you know Nuno going in at Tottenham, it's it's very much early days for him. But you know these and, and there's the whole drama around Harry Kane that we've all been seeing and witnessing, and we know how key he is to their success as well. So you know there, there, there's there's dramas for, for for both clubs at the moment, and um, certainly not coming into this game brimming with the confidence that they would want to be really approaching this sort of match. So. You know, it, it could be a big factor in the coming weeks, the outcome of this match at the weekend as well. Well, I fancied Harry Kane to score at the weekend and Tottenham got beat 3-0. So don't listen to what I say, basically. <laughs> um, I'm sure he'll be delighted if he scores against Arsenal. North London derby at the Emirates. The Gunners take on Spurs Sunday at 4.30. Final game we're going to discuss before we take a quick break is at Old Trafford, where Manchester United and Aston Villa do battle. That's also a half-12 kickoff Saturday lunchtime. That kickoff's been moved due to the fact that the Cortinas are playing a gig at the uh, Old Trafford cricket ground. So it won't be on TV, but it is an early lunchtime kickoff. And it was the late show for Manchester United last time around, Jono. Beating West Ham, Jesse Lingard with that Brilliant goal into the top corner before David De Gea saves Mark Noble's penalty in the 95th minute. But then they lost to West Ham in the Carabao Cup midweek. They made 11 changes for that game. Ronaldo, Varane, Maguire, etc. They were all missing, but surely they're going to come back into the team for this game against Villa, aren't they? You'd like to think so. Um, you've just gone through a host of names um, that majority of Premier League clubs would, would want. You know, they, they do seem to have something that little bit extra this year. And I, I think everybody would be buoyed by the fact that Ronaldo's in the building, you know, even at 36, you know, he's still doing things that, you know, probably 20, 24, five, six year olds are doing at the moment, such as his professionalism. And with a man like that in, in, in your team, I still think it's a possibility that they could win something. That's something maybe the Premier League this year, they've started off really well. And I know that they're lost in, in midweek. Um, but the reasons for that loss, we all know that, you know, Oli decided to change a lot of the players from what started in the Premier League the, the previous week. But no doubt this week, you know, it's no, you know, is the intentions of, of Man United will be to win something this year and the Premier League will be something that they will be targeting. 
Yeah, absolutely. And funnily, you mentioned Ronaldo. He was spotted coming out of a post office and uh, a sandwich shop as well. And I can't imagine he would be uh, putting a <laughs> putting a subway into his body. That's for sure. Um, the the machine that he is, Cristiano Ronaldo. Surely he's going to be back in the starting eleven. You'd think so against Aston Villa, against a Villa side who played well against Chelsea in both games against them recently in league and cup, but still lost both of them. Yet in their last Premier League game. Franny, they beat Everton quite comfortably, ending Rafa Benitez's unbeaten streak in the Premier League as Everton boss. It feels like maybe that's just the start of something beginning to click for Aston Villa, perhaps, because they've lost Grealish, which was obviously key, but they've also recruited well. Danny Ings has come in, a player that you'll know well, of course. Yeah, most definitely. And it's, um, you know, it, it, that I think was always going to be on the cards at some point with Grealish going. So there, there would have been that succession planning very much sort of in place already. And as you say now, you know, sort of players coming in as well to to fill that void and gap. And, uh, you know, the, you, you touch on sort of talking about just building something for the future. You, you you feel there's that sort of vibe a little bit around Aston Villa at the moment. And it's, you know, that result against Everton, you know, was, was a tremendous performance, you know, a, a, a comfortable scoreline in the end. Um, some good play, good goals as well. Uh and, you know, in front of the, the, the Villa supporters as well, you know, I've been there as a player on a few occasions in the past myself. And it, it can be, a, a, a you know, a, a quite a, a tough place to be going when the crowd are behind the team, the team have their tails up, uh, they're playing with confidence and belief. It, and, you know, you can see that growing a little bit at the moment at Villa. And, uh, yeah, this, this will go a long way towards helping that, obviously. But um, it's, it's going to be a, a, a difficult match for sure. Your thoughts on Villa so far this season, Michael? Don't upset the <laughs> Birmingham fans. <laughs> I know, I'll try and keep it clean. Uh, no, they've, they've done really well. I think um, I think the manager's really recruited really well. Um, they've got some really fantastic players. Um, it's a big club. It's a club, you know, that has, that has, you know, been in Europe and won the cup and should be, you know, punching its weight. Always well supported. Um Obviously failed in 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 latter seasons, but seem to be onto something special with the players that they've got. Um, it's interesting how they've um, still even found success post um, Grealish. You know, I thought that he was the the cog that might have brought them down, having moved on. But it seems you know players like Bailey, which he brought which he's brought into the club, that they're still on this you know real trajectory of going forwards, which. I know in the academies, they're really recruiting really strong. You look at the academy team last year that won the FAU Cup. Many of their graduates are now out on loan in League One, League Two clubs, getting those experiences. So you kind of look at Villa and you kind of can see some kind of um, success strategy in terms of the way forward. Um, I still think this season might be too soon for them to get any kind of real success. But the writing's on the wall that they are and will be a force to be reckoned in, in the coming years. And definitely with what those Villa youngsters will have seen Jack Grealish achieve and go on to do, that's bound to be an inspiration for them, as you say, for their careers moving forward. So Aston Villa travel to Old Trafford to take on Manchester United Saturday lunchtime. We're going to take a quick break here on Football Social Daily. But after this, we'll be back talking about Liverpool, Everton, Leeds and West Ham. We'll do it after this here on Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily 
Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is The Dugout. I'm joined by Francis Benali and Michael Johnson, two former top flight players. And we're going to talk about a team who are in the top flight, or at least in the Premier League, for the first time in 70-odd years. Brentford, the West London side, they welcome Liverpool to the Brentford Community Stadium. 5.30pm kickoff on Saturday evening. Now, all the focus here will be on Liverpool, Franny. They've looked really strong so far. This shouldn't really be a banana skin for them. From what we've seen in the games that Liverpool have had, they should quite comfortably see off Brentford. But it isn't always as easy as that. Exactly. That, that, that is the magic of football, isn't it? It's never always quite as it should be or as it seems. And you're right. I think Liverpool will, will, will see themselves through this one. Um, you know, they're, they're looking good again this season. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things. I mean, we've, we've seen it before. You know, Brentford are just playing with this fearlessness at the moment, that belief, that confidence, that maybe that opening victory against Arsenal on the first game of the season gave them uh, the whole new journey that the, the supporters and being at the new stadium are enjoying as well. Um, and under the manager as well, you know, it's... There's, there's a lot of positivity around Brentford at the moment. So they'll probably be approaching this thinking, you know, let, let's just give it our best shot. Uh, you know, they, they have a threat going forward. They can score goals. Uh, they've done that already this season. Um, that gives any, any team a chance. But I, I think where you get tested that much more when you come up, a side, up against a team like Liverpool is defensively. And, and can you keep the top players and the top teams out over the course of 90 minutes plus any added time. So that, that's going to be the challenge for them, you know, trying to be a threat going forward, but at the same time being defensively strong enough to, to, to keep Liverpool at bay. The word that Franny used there, Jono, was, was fearless. Um, should they have any fear? Because for me, I think as a team who aren't really expected to be a top flight side, they should just be trying to enjoy this season. And I think that there's an element of that with the players that sometimes if you in, enjoy what you're doing and enjoy the games you're playing it can actually translate to better results on the pitch yeah absolutely um i think you're so right and you know, I, I remember the, the derby scenario in 708 and we didn't enjoy it and the very fact that we didn't enjoy it it made us not perform as we should have performed as a team um such was the pressure on us to actually stay up i think with the brentford team and and you know, I, I was I went to Brentford last year to have a look at what they do and how they do, and it was such a wonderful environment, such a real open environment, such a a club that is connected to their community. You see the manager in the very first game embracing the fans, um, and so they should be really playing with an absolute freedom um, and enjoying that team, that community cohesive spirit that's been formed at this club for not just this season but for many many seasons. Um, this is not this is not a surprise to me. I've been I've been seeing how they do and what they do, and and I really hope a club like that can stay in the Premier League because I think it's an absolute fantastic story. Yeah, definitely. It was a famous day for them on the first game of the season when they beat Arsenal. Imagine if they beat Liverpool. How big would that be for Brentford? Can't see it happening personally, but they have a chance to do so. Five thirty p.m. Saturday as the Bees welcome. The Reds of Anfield. From one half of Merseyside to the other now, Everton welcome Norwich to Goodison Park. This is a traditional three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Everton lost their first game under Benitez last time out, Franny. But can you see them bouncing back with victory here? Norwich aren't exactly in a good spot, are they? No, no. They've um, they've started the campaign. Yeah, you know, couldn't have been any worse, really, could it? It's um, it's it's just you know, I saw some stats. I think you know the number of 
consecutive Premier League games that they've lost on under Farker, and uh, it, it's, it's going to be a struggle for Norwich for sure. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're low on confidence. They'll be thinking, well, you know, where's the the, the first victory going to come from? Uh, and and I can't honestly see it coming against Everton this weekend. Uh, you know, they, they they've got threats in their team as well. Um, albeit that that disappointing result against Villa last weekend, but. You know, they'll want to bounce back and, you know, and to a degree they'll need to in front of their home supporters as well because, they're, they're, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll let them know if the team are firing and performing well or not. Uh, and I think that will drive the team on to, it's almost like, take the game to Norwich and look for those three points. So for Everton, I think they'll, they'll have more than enough to, to, to get through this to win the match. Uh, for Norwich, it's going to be a, an, an extended struggle to the start of their season. You mentioned those Daniel Farker statistics and it almost quite neatly follows on from what you were saying just a few seconds ago, Jono, about that time at Derby. When you're in that spot, it's a spot you don't want to get into. It's a rut that you you really sometimes can't drag yourself out of. It's a horrible record that Daniel Farker's got. Norwich currently rock bottom of the league, the only team without a point. I mean, how long is it? We're just six games into the season. How long is it before the despair almost starts to set in because it's not a nice space to be in, is it? No. Um, and what you start to do is get into a, a mentality of here we go again. Um, a goal goes in and the whole stadium as a player, you, you feel that, oh, oh no, here we go again. It's that doomsday scenario that you don't want. Um, I think I think tactically the way that um, Daniel has set his team up, when you go to the Premier League as a team that's coming up, you may have to tweak some things because you're not going to be, you know, the the one that everybody fancies to go and win. You're going to be the underdog. And so sometimes when you're that wide and expansive and open in the Premier League, it's an unforgiving league. You know, one chance and you're done. And we've seen that in the week against Liverpool. So it's going to be interesting. Does he stick with his tactics again? Does he still want to continue to play this wide and open and expansive brand of football? There's so many connotations as to will he or won't he? So... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Norwich have got a conundrum to figure out. Can they solve it against Everton at three o'clock on Saturday? Taking place at the same time up at Ellen Road, Leeds United welcome West Ham. Leeds also, like Norwich, yet to win this season. They've got a number of injuries and suspensions, especially at the back. Do you think they should be worried about being 17th at the moment, Franny? Or is it still far too early, just five or six games into the season? Because we know how good Leeds can be. But at the moment, they're not really showing it. No, that's right, and it's you know they, they would have been frustrated with their start to the campaign, and Bielsa will be looking to to sort of halt that and get back on track, you know, as soon as possible. And um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that it happens to teams. You know, you you go through that roller coaster of, of form, and uh, you know whether that's as a player sometimes as well individually, but sometimes it hits you as a team. You. You go through that, that those periods where you're performing well, other times where you're just struggling, thinking where's the next points coming from. Uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be a test, but I'd, I've got you know seeing what they've done at Leeds to this point, I believe they've got more than enough to turn things around, and they'll be back on track again very soon. Like you say, maybe get some injuries back and things like that will help them. But they've got a threat in their team and the way that they play and the way that they set up that will be a problem for teams this season. So I don't see there being any long-term problems for Leeds United. No, I can't either. And they've got a top manager as well, haven't they? Someone who is well-respected throughout the game. So what about West Ham? 
Jono, because they've enjoyed a good start, but they haven't won in their last three, excluding the League Cup win over United midweek. Does it tell us a lot about the Hammers and how they've improved in the last 18 months that we're expecting them probably to be winning this game against Leeds, whereas probably two years ago, most people would have said it would have been a lot closer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they've been an absolute breath of fresh air um, to go and watch West Ham and the way the way that they've played, the, the brand of football that we've they've played. I mean, we're, we're only five games in um, and they are in that top half of the table. Um, I, I always had concerns about them moving away from the, the main ground, Upton Park. It was a real hostile place, intimidating. You know, the stands were really close to the pitch. Um, and, and, and so you felt that as a player. But I think, you know, the last couple of seasons, you know, you can start to see something coming together, especially the form of Antonio. Um, I, you know, it's, to, to, I think he's, he's storing itself to be somebody who played as a defender, as a fullback. I think that's where he first started um, to then transition into a wide player and now a centre forward. Um, I think that I think they're a centre forward short. You know, if anything happens to Antonio, you kind of go, well, who's coming in? Um, but, you know, you, you cannot say that David Moyes and the coaching staff have not got a real vibrant team playing. Everybody at the moment is enjoying watching West Ham. Yeah, and he's going to be back, I think, this weekend from suspension. So is it really much of a coincidence, Shono, that they haven't won in three in the Premier League yeah. and he's been suspended? It, it kind of all adds up, doesn't it? Yeah, I think he's the focal point of a lot of his tax, a lot of the attacks. Whether it's um, the the spacing behind, whether it's the ball being played into him, whether it's eccentric goals that we've seen him score. I mean, they've got really good players. You know, Glenn, sorry, Rice is is another one who's who's excelled in the world in the in the Euros and you know looked like an absolute million million dollar player in, in the Euros. Such was his performances. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think there's any problem. It's still early days at the moment for West Ham. They are in the top top of the top half of the Premier League. And I can see them definitely looking to claim a Euro, European spot this, this year. Definitely. And also with those Europa League group stages also on the agenda, could be a really exciting season for West Ham United. If they can strike while the iron's hot and use this momentum, could be a memorable campaign for Hammers fans. They take on Leeds at Ellen Road, three o'clock Saturday. Time for another break here on Football Social Daily. Still three more Premier League games to talk about, including one of Francis Benali's former clubs. And I don't mean Eastley, unfortunately. We'll do it next after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the show. I'm Niall. I've got former pro players Francis Benali and Michael Johnson alongside me. Still three more top flight fixtures to get our teeth stuck into. And we'll start this section by heading down to the south coast with the uh, with the area's second most successful team as they take on Wolves <laughs> two o'clock on Sunday. I'm getting them in there, Franny. I'm getting them in there. <laughs> of course, Southampton uh, are who we're talking about. Two nil nils in a row, though, Franny, for your team. Any reason behind the lack of goals this season? Is it just as simple as the fact that Danny Ings has left the club and joined Aston Villa? Or is it a little bit deeper than that, do you think? Uh, can I just say, I thought your intro there, you were talking about Bournemouth for a second, but um, <laughs> um, no, I mean, listen, losing losing a player like Danny is, is going to be a loss. Um, you know, he's just, it's not just his goals he brings on the pitch, you know, it's that personality, it's that uh, character off the pitch as well. 
So he's a loss losing anybody like that. We've, you know, Yannick Vestergaard, Ryan Bertrand have, have, have left in the summer as well. So, you know, I think what we're seeing at Southampton is a, a, a squad and a team now that Ralph Hausenhutel is almost like, you know, assembling what he wants to see. Uh, there's been young players recruited in recent times as well, and maybe there's not going to be an, an immediate impact from some of those players. Uh, we saw the Brazilian Lianco play in midweek in the Carabao Cup, and he had a difficult game in that match. So there's, there's going to be certain players that take some time to settle and step up to the level where the club obviously see them going forward. Um, goals in the team is going to be something that quite clearly you want to keep in there with the loss of uh, Danny Ings. And there's other players coming in. Adam Armstrong is the obvious replacement for that. But there's Shea Adams there. There's other players, attacking players, Gineppo, Walcott, um, you know, there's, there's Redmond. There's, there's so many players, Nathan Teller, a youngster as well, so that they're all competing for those positions. And it's good to have that strength in depth. What I think Southampton are focusing on a little bit more in some ways this season is keeping things tight at the back. You know, they conceded the second most goals to West Brom in last season's Premier League campaign. 64, 65, something like that, I think it was. Might have even been 68. That has to be addressed. And and we've seen that recently. You know, two nil-nil results um, is a long way. And, and one against West Ham. We're talking about how well they've just been doing this season. And the second against Manchester City away. So that takes some doing. You know, coming away with a point and there's the whole drama around the penalty, I know. But defensively, they're looking stronger. So they need to show that this season. They've just got to find that balance between keeping the clean sheets and keeping things tight against sort of being still attacking-minded enough to win, score goals to win the games that they need to to be successful. So it's, it's getting that balance right. But I think Ralph is getting there. Um and yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting one. This it'll be uh, you know quite a, a a test, you know, because you 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 look at Wolves; they've struggled so far this season. But Saints haven't won yet so far, so they've looked pretty solid. But they need to get that win on the board this weekend. I feel. Yeah, you touched upon those goals conceded last season. Nine of those were to Manchester United, to be fair, which is a bit of an anomaly. Uh, as much as I quite like bringing it up every now and again, it was uh, it's not something that you see every weekend in the Premier League. As for Wolves, as, as Franny said there, Jono, it's been tough for them. They beat Watford for their first win of the season, but then they lost to Brentford. I think they've played OK at times this season. They were decent against Manchester United, but couldn't get the result. The table doesn't look great for them. Are they doing anything wrong? Because obviously it's a new regime there. Bruno Large has come in. Nuno Espirito Santo has moved on. It does feel like there's been a kind of a shift and a change there naturally. Is there anything that they're doing particularly wrong, do you think? Or is it just a, a case of them being unlucky so far in the games that they've had? Because I don't think they've performed particularly badly. No, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I don't think, you know, the games that I've saw Wolves play, they look like they've done anything wrong. Um, you know, they have been unlucky. I remember watching the Man United game and, and they literally, you know, tortured Man United at times, but without obviously leaving the game with the three points or any points to that matter. Um, you know, you, you look at the table and it's a worrying stat to see where they are. Um, and I think you, I think after Nuno Espirito has left, there's, there's always a period of time um I think Wolves were moulded very much as Nuno would have wanted them to, very much epitomise the kind of values of, of the manager. So I think they're in a real transition time. And I think the 
the story of their season will be how quickly they start to understand the expectations of this new manager coming in. Um, because he looks like he's doing things different. It looks it looks like the players are taking that little bit more time to adapt. But before you know it, as we spoke about previously, you go three or four games without a win and you get cut off. And they cannot afford to be cut off. So hopefully, you know, they'll come back to some kind of form more sooner than later. Yeah, how demoralising can that be, Francis? Because they've played well and yet they're still languishing down by the bottom. I mean, are you thinking when you're a player... What do we need to do to buy a win? Like we just need a bit of luck or something. It feels like nothing's going your way. Is it just about mentally trying to stay as positive as possible? Because as Jono rightly says, they, they've not done anything wrong particularly. They've just not been on the right end of the results. No, it's exactly that what you've both mentioned. I, I think you just have that belief. You, you, you obviously may come through a game and it would be not the result that you're necessarily looking for from a Wolves perspective, but... I think when you reflect back on the performances, you think, well, yeah, we're, we're in these games. You know, the, the amount of chances that they've been creating this season, you know, under, under Bruno Large, they're, they're very much, it's not like, let's just sit on the edge of the 18-yard box and we'll try and counter-attack or pinch a goal. They're creating chance after chance after chance. They just haven't been able to, you know, convert them so far this season in, in the key moments of, of the game. So I'm sure those goals will come. Uh, they've just got to keep that belief, keep that attacking intent, and under their new manager, it seems like that's going to be there. He wants them to be an attacking force and have that belief and confidence. And I think the results will come for them. It'll shift a little bit over time, but you know, far from the ideal start for them. Wolves travel to St. Mary's that game at Southampton is a two o'clock kickoff on Sunday. Final two games we're going to discuss both start three o'clock Saturday afternoon. This one's at the King Power where Leicester welcome Burnley. They've been inconsistent so far, Jono, haven't they, Leicester City, which is not something you usually expect from a Brendan Rodgers side. They lost to Brighton last week. Do you think they'll come good, though? Because I think they've got too many good players and too good a manager to be kind of stuck in this win here, lose their situation for too long. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Leicester's a, a team that I'm, I'm very fond of. Um, I've got a lot of time for the way that they play. The manager, I believe, is a really fantastic manager, and I believe that they will come good. Um, I'm not quite sure why they've stuttered and why they've started and um, the way that they've started. Um, but we all know that once this Leicester team starts to click, you know, they they can they can pull up a few surprises. You know, you've seen what they've done in the recent um I think it was it was it the charity shield and 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 the cup, you know, they're a match for anybody on the day. And and I know that with the players that they've got. You know, they've got some really fantastic players, the likes of Madison. And we all know about Vardy. So, you know, it's 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 mind-boggling to think that they are, well, it's still early days. You know, they're not down there. It's still early days. And I, still, I really do believe that with a man like Brendan, they will get it right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost as well uh, the flip for, for Sean Dyche, where, you know, they're still sort of languishing Burnley themselves. But it took until their eighth game last season, Franny, for Burnley to get their first win. Do you think that they'll feel that they can take advantage of the fact that Leicester have been inconsistent? I don't think there'll be any, any panic stations from Sean Dyche at this point. No, they'll, they'll certainly be hoping that they'll find that, that inconsistent Leicester side that they come up against. It's, uh, it's one that, they're, that you know, a, a, not a great start is, is accustomed to and they won't be pressing any panic buttons. And you just know what you're going to expect from, from Sean Dyche and his team. They're, they're, they're going to have that belief. They'll, you know... Anyone going to play them has, has got to go and earn the right to win a game of football. That's that's any game of football. But 
even more so against the Burnley side. You know, you, you know you're going to come up against that, that challenge, that, that, that physical toughness. Um, you've got to be prepared to you know, defend set pieces and, 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 and a, an att- attacking threat from an aerial perspective as well. You know, you've got a, a team that you know, thrive and, and, and can capitalise on that. Uh, and Burnley you know, will look, be looking to sort of get off the mark with a win uh, sooner rather than later and not want to wait as long as they did last season. Definitely. Leicester against Burnley, three o'clock Saturday, which brings us to our final game on today's show, the dugout from Football Social Daily, and it's Watford against Newcastle, also a three o'clock kickoff Saturday afternoon. I want to talk about Alain Saint-Maximin, Jono. How good is he? How important is he to Newcastle? And how little would you like to defend against him if if you ever did have that opportunity or misfortune to do so? Because he looks like a tricky customer to me. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an ample. Um, there's no getting away from the fact that he's probably, you know, he, probably he is their star player. Um, can jink left, can jink right. He's got so many tricks. You, know, you, you don't want to go to ground with a player like that, that's for sure. You have to stand up and you have to try and usher him into areas where he can do limited damage. But, it, you know, he is their, their main man for sure. Um, and I think it was a main reason why Newcastle done so well at the back end of the season last year. But, you know, the boy Willock, who's come up from Arsenal, who's joined in and has also contributed. You know, you've got a, a Premier League side um, player, Wilson, who's, you know, scored goals at Bournemouth, England. So they're not a bad team once they're all fit. And I think that's the key thing for Newcastle, is if they've got their starting eleven fit, then actually they can, you know, I'm not going to say they'll, they'll push the top six, but they're more than a match for, for anybody in the Premier League. It, but it's keeping them fit, keeping them um, on the field in terms of suspension. I think that's the key to their success. Would you have come across Steve Bruce during your time at Birmingham, Jono? Was it, would he have been around then? Yeah, both as a player. <clears throat> when he signed, I was his, his centre-half partner as a player in the last couple of years of his playing career. Then as a manager, he, he, played, he was the one that, um, when I was at Birmingham, managed to get us into the Premier League. Um, so I, I know him really well and I know the kind of determination and the kind of mindset of Steve Bruce and he'd be going into this game all guns blazing expecting their team to win. Do you think he's getting a bit fed up of some of the criticism that he's been getting? Because it's not through want of trying. Obviously, he's from the North East. He wants to be successful. No manager wants to, you know, to lose games or not win games. He's obviously going to be frustrated with the way things are going but it's not through a want of effort and, and he'll have his own ideas on how things should be done up there yeah absolutely I think um, obviously history with his connections with Sunderland may play a part in that um, but I also think you know you, you have to look at um, you know deeper down in the organisational structure to start to understand why Newcastle have never really kicked on a club that is well supported had some fantastic players down the years, but have never really, nobody's really took that club by the horns and gone, I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to make sure we get top players to this place and try and compete. And without that sort of real investment into the into the, the, the team, then you're always going to be what you're always going to be. You know, we all seen the likes of Man City, Chelsea, Man United investing. But sadly, we don't see those kind of figures bounded around at Newcastle. No, that's a very good point. They travel to Watford this weekend. 
Watford can capitalise on their victory last week and, and build an early gap between themselves and the relegation zone if they beat Newcastle. How much of a boost would that be, Franny, for a team who are often being tipped to, to go straight back down again after coming back up last season? Huge, huge. You know, to, to have a good start to a season as a promoted side gives you that, that little bit of uh, breathing space, for want of a better expression. You know, it builds confidence. Um, and it, and it gives you a chance, you know, if, if you, you, you hit a bit of lack of form or results later in the campaign, we've, we've seen it before, a number of sides that have just come out of the blocks and done well to begin with. It's been enough to see them through and survive in a campaign. So, yeah, a, 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 another win here uh, would be a huge result for them. Um, you know, again, some, some good players in there. It's my size. It's going to be a, a, a threat for sure to, to any team, really. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going well and um, you know, we'll look to, to sort of capitalise on that positive start that they've had again against a, a Newcastle side that is very indifferent at the moment and they'll look to capitalise on that. Well, Watford against Newcastle, three o'clock Saturday is our ninth previewed game of today's podcast, which brings us to the end of the show. Thanks very much, Franny and Michael, for your company. What's on the agenda for you this weekend, Franny? What's going on? Uh, I'm doing some co-coms. Uh, uh, I'm doing the, the Chelsea City game. Uh, on radio this weekend and then uh, covering my my team against Wolves on uh, on Sky Sports News so yeah hopefully I'll I'll, I'll be smiling at the end of the day <laughs> well, hopefully you won't be sorry about that <laughs> and Jono I know you're coaching in the England ranks how's that going yeah going really well we're just planning um, obviously the international breaks coming up fast and and, and furious in the next well t- what, days, no mind weeks. Um, so yeah, the planning for the under 18s count, which I will be on, um, is right upon us. So I'll be going out to watch some under 18 fixtures tomorrow, um, watching some fixtures over the weekend, and trying to finalise our our um, squad of 23 for our under 18s international window um, camp. So there's some good players coming through, isn't there? Some fast, fantastic players. I think the investment into the EPPP has been a, a wonderful thing. You know, you just look at the number 10s that we see, you know, that England's got in abundance, the likes of your Grealish, Foden's, Mounts, you could go on. Um, Bellingham, such is the, the you know, wealth of talent that we have coming through. And I think that's largely down to the investment. But also I think that the home of St. George's Park is something to do that where all the teams can come there and, and stay together. You know, we've never had a home of English football, so it's a great place to work from. Um, and it's an exciting future for England. It does sound really exciting as well. The national team, things are going really well at all levels for England at the moment. That's it for today's Football Social Daily. Don't forget, we are the only daily Premier League podcast out there. So if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode again. There'll be another one tomorrow. Looking back at all of the weekend's games that have taken place. And we'll be back with you right throughout next week and through the international break as well. I'm sure we'll be discussing England on a number of occasions. But my thanks to Franny. Thank you to Jono as well. That's it for today. We'll catch you next time on Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 